Hey friends, welcome to the Kingdom Movement Leadership Podcast, where you can be equipped and inspired to grow and maximize your influence as a leader. I hope you enjoy today's episode. We're so excited to have an amazing guest with us, Peter Lewis. This is actually a second podcast we're doing with him. And so welcome back. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Peter is from Upper Room. He has a ministry called Braveheart Ministries. And I really want to focus in on some of the heartbeat of what you do as far as Braveheart Ministries. And as we think about equipping leaders and ministers uh, all over the world, I want you to kind of just speak into into that. Um, And so I'm just going to draw on you as a well. Uh, Peter is a deep well. He uh, has had many years of of leadership experience. Uh, He teaches in Upper Room School, uh, has led many people to the Lord, um, is an anointed pastor, minister, communicator. And so we just want to draw on that and all learn from the grace that's on your life. Amen. Come on. So I want to start with, why don't you tell us just a little bit about Braveheart Ministry and what the heartbeat is and what, what do you do with that? H- how long have it, has it been around? Yeah. So like you mentioned, I, I started pastoring at the upper room in the early days and um, the the word over my life, um, I had this encounter in 2010 where I was unpacking some bags in my kitchen and this oil dumped all over my feet. It was a complete accident. And I heard that like the presence of God filled my kitchen. And he said, Peter, I'm anointing your feet to run with the gospel. And I said, God, that's amazing. I said, but um, I need you to teach me the gospel like you taught Paul, because the gospel that he preached, he didn't learn it from any man. He received it by a revelation of Jesus. And so for about, man, six years, just in the prayer room, serving the upper room, I just sought the Lord and said, God, teach me the gospel. I need to know this, this, if this is the power of God to save people, um, you've got to put this thing inside of me because I want to see the fruit of, of acts in my life and in the church. Cause really my heart's for the lost. Uh, but so many Christians weren't reaching the lost because they were just dominated by sin, apathetic, you know, compromised by the world. And so Braveheart was really birthed out of this prophetic word, this, this dominating desire and call that filled my heart to articulate the gospel in a way to believers that would sort of break them out of cultural Christianity, break them out of numbness, apathy, which really was my story. I mean, man, I could talk about Jesus and the cross and all the things that we would, we would say the gospel is. I would talk about that and there would, there would be no power, no passion, no life in it, no flow of the spirit. And so, man, for six years, I just persisted in prayer in the secret place. Uh, and it was finally launched in 2015, uh, 16. Um, and man, the upper room, the leaders are like, man, you have this call to just go out and we still want you to preach and teach, uh, but we want you to reach other churches with this and the body of Christ. And so that's kind of how it started. Wow. So what does Braveheart Ministries do as far as that? Do you have resources? I know you've written a couple of books. Tell us about those. But how do you, because you're called to the body of Christ, you're an equipper Mm -hmm. in the body of Christ. You want to activate the body to reach the lost. Right. You have a passion for the lost, but the Lord showed you that it's through the body of Christ that we're actually going to reach the lost because that's a lot quicker than you just trying to reach every lost person. What if we activated the whole body to reach the lost, right? That's right. So how does Braveheart like solve that? How do you equip and resource people? So really our mission statement is to strengthen the faith of the church through the ministry of the gospel. So 
the ministry of the gospel for us is all of our resources. So through preaching, teaching books, video courses, we have all of that stuff. Um, what's unique about us is that all of our resources have one target, and that is to cause a believer to be strengthened in the faith. Come on. And that faith will be expressed through love. So when you have a strong faith, you have a strong love, strong love for God, strong love for yourself, and a strong love for others. And that's really what we want, right? Like we want, we want believers to have a heart filled with love, like all the stuff we want to see worship and revival and healing the sick. It comes through love. Like you can prophesy and if you don't have love, you missed it. Come on. Right. You can worship, but if your heart's not in love with God, like if you're just singing a melody, that's not worship. Like true worship is that heart that's in love with God responding to him. And so that can only happen when you're in faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin. Wow. And so our target is really this, this thing that the Bible says, this is, you know, you need to hold the faith, the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Yeah. There's an element of mystery to this um, that's kind of hard to explain. Um, but that's kind of the shortest way I would describe yeah. it. That's really good. And you mentioned the faith. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about that, but that's an interesting idea where you're not just talking about having faith in God, right. but we're talking about believers walking out the faith, uh, not being led astray from the faith, not being shipwrecked from the faith. Mm -hmm. So there's something different about faith and the faith, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Talk a little bit about that. What's the difference for you? Like what, how could you describe that? Yeah, I think the faith is is really our core connection to to Jesus, right? Um, I think one of the best ways to explain it is to maybe speak to some of those scriptures that you mentioned, like First um, Corinthians thirteen. It says, "Test yourselves to see whether you're in the faith." Come on, or do you not know this that Jesus Christ is inside of you? Um, another another version, you know, talks about we can wander from the faith. Mm -hmm. We can swerve from the faith through the love of money, through devoting ourselves to knowledge. And so Colossians 1, uh, we're going to be presented holy and blameless before the Lord if indeed we continue in the faith. And so the faith, I liken it to this. Um, the moment you get born again, um, you respond to a revelation of Jesus. That's how anyone gets born again. And you reveal him as the Messiah, the lamb of God who takes away the mm -hmm. sin of the world. And there is this flame. I think the faith is really like a flame mm -hmm. on the altar of our hearts. And that flame is, is the most precious thing we have. I believe that with all of my heart, like it's entrusted to us. It, that flame is the Holy spirit. It's the place where our spirit and God's spirit collides. I think that's what the faith is. It's like, it's like where my spirit and God's spirit have collided based on who Jesus is. And, and then we have the privilege as believers of stewarding that. Meaning if I, don't, if I don't know that, if I don't know how to steward that, my flame can grow dim. And when your flame grows dim, it becomes really, really hard to walk in the spirit. And so to me, the faith is that conduit or that pipeline through which God's grace and his spirit flows to us. And so I think one of the reasons we see so much carnality and, and humanity still in the church is we've only preached a third of the gospel. Wow. We've preached a measure of the gospel. And so there's only a measure of faith. 
And that means there's only a measure of God's grace in his spirit. Hmm. And so, so the size of our faith directly corresponds to the size of our gospel. And so if we increase the size of our gospel, we're going to increase faith. We're going to increase grace and we're going to increase the speed with which we grow up into the maturity of Christ and the fullness of Christ, which wow. is really what we want. Yes. We want believers, we want the body of Christ to grow up into fullness and maturity. Because sometimes, even just as a leader, I've uh, led Bible colleges and been in ministry for probably 14, 15 plus years now. And we're trying to form a believer to actually mature and grow up and to actually look like Christ. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be with him. We're supposed to be like him in every way. First mm-hmm. John 2.17 says, whoever claims to live in God must live like Jesus did. Yes, And we have a gospel, and you talked about it. I want to draw on that in a minute, but a gospel where we've allowed ourselves to not really mature up and to look like Christ and really be free uh, in that sense. And so you talked about how we're, the full gospel is not always known. And so it can't be lived out because whatever you don't know, you can't manifest that. So talk about the third of the gospel that you think is hit well, and then what is missing in that formation so that we can look like Christ. Yeah. So I think, I think most people, when I say the gospel, they think, oh, that's what you preach at a crusade to lost people. And, and And how does that go typically? It's like, like, Hey, Jesus died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. If you put your faith in him, you'll be, you'll be saved. Your sins will be forgiven, which is a hundred percent true and amazing and right and good. Like we rejoice in that. We celebrate that. Like in me saying we're preaching one third of the gospel, I'm not saying it's not right. I'm just saying it's incomplete. Come on. And so there's only a measure. If you only preach faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. So if you only preach a small measure of Christ, the person of Christ, who he is, what he's done and why he did it, you're only giving believers an opportunity to experience a small measure of the grace of God and what's what's possible in the new covenant. And so for me, like when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he didn't say I'm finished. Hmm. He said it is finished, but he wasn't finished because what did he do? He rose again from the grave. He ascended to the right hand of the father he received the promise of the father. He put his own blood on the mercy seat. He baptized humanity in the Holy Spirit. He ever lives to make intercession for us. His very life saves us and sanctifies us. And one day he's coming back ultimately to defeat, to, to defeat sin and death. And, and he's going to save us then, right? Like Hebrews 9. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ will return a second time not in reference to sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And so I think this, this concept that God's salvation is both past, present, and future. And that salvation happens by grace through faith, every step of the way. And this is where I think the church and my, my prayer and my, my deep burden is that we can come back and be unified as a body of Christ, that, that the way we get born again and sanctified and ultimately mature is all the same. It's by grace through faith. Like I'm not going to get someone born again in a moment. They go from darkness to light just by putting their faith in God. And then now that they're saved, like now you got to do all of this work to get God's spirit in his flow in your life. Like that, that, come on. And we're divided over that because one church will say, well, no, this is really how you mature. And another church says, well, no, you really need to do this. And we're trying to unify around expressions of the faith. 
And this is a really big deal. Like worship is an expression of the faith. Yeah. And so what, what have we done? Like denominationalism exists because we have people saying, well, I don't worship that way. And then we have people saying, well, I don't share the gospel that way. Well, I don't gather in church that way. Like ecclesiology, we've got the house church people, you know, and then we've got mega church and everything in between. And people are dividing over expressions of the faith. Hmm. But the only thing that's going to unify us is the faith of the gospel, right? Which is what? Which is a revelation of Jesus. And so you may worship differently than me, but guess what we both have in common? You and I have both been crucified with Christ. We've been buried with him and we've been resurrected with him. And we have a high priest who's able to, to help us in our weakness. And this is what binds us together is, is the faith in this man. Right. And so, so that, that nuance of how we worship and how we declare the gospel and the, the, the cultural differences, those are not going to keep us apart. Why? Because we have a, we have a spiritual intimacy in Christ that would never be broken because we worship different because we worship for an hour. They worship for 20 minutes. Right. And so I think that's the, that's the power of this. Um, and I've mentioned this before, but I believe the the full revelation of Christ, uh, that comes to us through the gospel is the revelation of Jesus as our Messiah, our high priest and our bridegroom and judge. Um, I, I just, I yeah. think, I think that's the the conduit through which we know him. Come on. So getting a hold of the full gospel sets you free to live like Jesus. Yes. And so we're not seeing the whole body of Christ formed into Christ because some of the, some of those pieces are missing. Um, I think one thing that you emphasize, which is powerful, I want you to, to talk about this, but uh, in Galatians one, Paul talks about how he didn't receive the gospel from man, but he received it. He wasn't taught it. He didn't receive it from man, but he received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. You refer to that passage and talk a little bit about kind of like the man centered gospel versus the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, I guess one of the things, if you were to say, Hey, would, would you find fault with what's been preached? Um, I think in some instances we've, we've accidentally made the gospel all about man, um, he says, the gospel I preached was not man's gospel. And I remember yeah. asking God when I read that, I said, what's man's gospel? Yeah. And he said, man's gospel is all about man. It's man going to heaven when he dies, man's sins being forgiven, man trying to get right with God. It's, it's man, 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 man. Yeah. And, but the real gospel is an unveiling or a revealing of who Jesus is. And that's good news, right? Come on. And so, and so I think, I think if like the way we move forward is like, we've got to be willing to take our eyes off of ourselves. Um, and this is so hard. And I mentioned this the other night is like from the, from the fall, mankind has been obsessed with himself, hmm. right? It's the first thing that happened to Adam and Eve. They saw their own nakedness and they, they couldn't see God that well anymore. Like they were still talking to him, but ultimately self-consciousness ruled them and, and they were unable to, to really like enjoy that fellowship. They begin to hide, they begin to have shame, fear, and then the devil began to form himself in them in Cain. And you know, you know the story. Wow. Amazing. So it's interesting when you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, it's going to include, because Jesus has forgiven us, set us free. We're going to rule and reign with him. We're going to be married to him. We're going to have that intimacy with him in heaven, but that's almost like the fruit of being with Jesus rather than the focus 
So when you bring someone the gospel, you're, you're, are you saying that let's not make it about them? Hey, listen, come to Jesus and your sins will be forgiven. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to be right with God. You're going to be blessed and all this kind of stuff. Again, we make it about people instead mm-hmm. of making it about the revelation of Jesus and that a lot of those things are true about the gospel, but those are the benefits, but that's not the focus of it. Right. Right. So how, how do you, how do you do that? How do you disciple someone into, to continually seeing Jesus? Yeah. Let me give you an example. I think this will be helpful. So like we've kind of like packaged the gospel, Hey, death, burial, resurrection, and you get to go to heaven. Like we've made it real transactional, right? Like pray this prayer, go to heaven, get your sins forgiven it, the gospel is a masterpiece. The gospel is like the most, think of the most intricate painting. Think of the most like, like detailed nuance, like majestic thing that you could look at a million times and you would see a different color, a different brushstroke in a different light. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is, is God's masterpiece to man that we would know him. And so like, I remember one time I was reading about the cross and I saw that like he, he, his side was pierced. Mm. And that blood and water came out. And it was like immediately I'd been reading Genesis mm-hmm. and I'd been reading like his death. Mm-hmm. And the Lord showed me that it was like, man, this is a picture of Adam. Mm-hmm. That, that the first Adam had his side opened and out of his side, Eve came, his bride. His yep. And so here you've got now Jesus on the cross mm-hmm. and you're like, how do I really know I'm born of God? How do I know that I'm from him? How can I say I'm from God? Well, you look at the cross and you're like, wait, blood and water came out. Why? Well, we're born again by blood and by water, right? Come like on. the blood of Jesus. And then we're baptized into the waters of baptism. Wow. And it's a picture of the bride of Christ, God, the father opening the side of his son And instead of pulling out a rib, he makes way for the world now to be, to become his bride. Yeah. Come on. And so like that, like nuanced thing is like, now I wake up and I'm like, if I can see his side, Mm -hmm. like, cause I'll question, I'm like, man, God, do I really belong to you? Am I really your son? Am I really, do I really have your DNA coursing through my veins? And all of a sudden I look back cause I don't feel like it right. I wake up and I'll feel crummy and my kids are screaming and like, I'm not, pretending we just live on clouds, like we're facing life, but then the gospel confronts that. And it's like, wait a minute, you, you open, your side was open so that I could come out of it. Come on. And I am bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. And that was your design. And you want me to be this confident. And so I think when, I think that's the, that's like an example. Come on. And if you just follow Jesus all along the way, there are these, these, these nuggets and these Come invitations on. and these like these things of the father going, Hey, look, look what I did here. Yeah. I took this sin off of you. I took this sickness. I on. did all of these things. And so I think if we can view the gospel, this revelation of Jesus as something that we are meant to behold and to really let it just like transform us and renew our minds to Come how on. we respond to life and to others and to the world, that's really the better picture than this transactional thing that we've I love done. it. So powerful. And even in that, I remember when the Lord gave me that, I saw that revelation too, where mm. from Adam's, from Adam's side was born his wife, came his wife, his bride on the cross. Jesus gave birth to the church. The church began, the body of Christ came from his side and it's blood and water. I mean, think about that. Even it's both a spiritual and a natural connection. Uh, I've, I have a couple of kids, you have five kids, our last uh, birth was uh, a birth here at home, a water birth. And so 
blood and water. So the, the fluid, the baby's in the amniotic fluid, there's the water. And then when the baby comes out, there's, there's blood and water Yes, and it speaks of a natural birth. And yet we're also born again through the blood and water. So it's like, man, those connections, like the blood of Jesus, the waters of baptism speaks of blood, death, baptism is burial and then resurrection to new life with him. And, and this is meant to make us confident, Come right? On. Like we can walk like Christ, not because we're so awesome and anointed and how, you know, you know, how much we do, but because we've been born of him. And I just think, man, how amazing is our God? Well, wow. how awesome is our father and how intimate is his invitation for us? But man, it requires that that's the faith, right? So when you respond to that, that's that's a measure of the faith. And so your faith is strengthened. And so then when you wake up that morning and you're faced with impatience or anger, all of a sudden you back up and you're like, wait a minute, I bet I could manifest the patience, patience of Christ here. Come on. Cause I've been born of him. I bet I could manifest his humility in the situation of betrayal. I bet I could manifest his power facing, you know, someone's sick. I bet I could, why not? Because, because I've been born of him. Yeah. Right. Wow. Born of him. And so even what you were doing right there is that when you're facing a situation and it's not Christ, it's not heaven on earth, you start to renew your mind. I bet I can do this because Christ is in me. And as you believe that way, you're able to, to manifest that fully, right? Mm-hmm. So I think even just the importance, speak to the importance of a believer, again, like Christ being fully formed in them. Like how do we as ministers, as leaders, as as even the body of Christ, how do we grow up into that where we're no longer tolerating those things where it's like, you know what? Um, I, I'm always going to struggle. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of Christianity th- believes the lie that as, as long as we're on this side of eternity, we're mm-hmm. always going to struggle. We're going to struggle with sin. We're going to struggle with the flesh. We're going to struggle with all these things. And a lot of the struggles that we think we're going to struggle with, Jesus didn't struggle with those. Now there wasn't certain things Jesus did struggle with and were called to like Jesus had, there was, he was persecuted. He was, uh, you know, he, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that happened to him. And Peter talks about how we were called to that, to share in Christ's suffering, mm-hmm. but there's many things Jesus did not struggle with. Mm-hmm. And yet we do. Right. So talk about that. How, how do we, manifest Christ likeness. What are some of the principles and keys there for mm-hmm. believers? And then for us, uh, for leaders as well, like how do we disciple people into that? Yeah, man, that's a great question. I think, I think one thing we have to get in our hearts and minds is that God is comfortable. He's okay. Dwelling in man. Yeah. Like he's, he's good with it. Then that's the only place he'll dwell. He says, I don't even tw- dwell in temples built by human hands. Right. He, he dwells in temples built by his own hands. Right. So that, that revelation alone, God actually designed the human. We're created in his image. And so Christ is a picture. He's fully God dwelling in a man. And so God's comfortable in a man suit. Think Come about on. that. And he's like, Hey, I, I'm okay dwelling in you and the beauty of my character and my nature being expressed through you. I'm good with that. Like, I'm okay. You being completely free and righteous and holy and blameless. Like God's good with that. And so we've got to come into agreement with that. Number one, number two, I think of Galatians uh, five, I think it's six. It says, and those who belong to Christ have crucified their flesh along with its desires. Yeah. Well, that's pretty final. Yep. Well, what's the condition to belong? What does belong? Just be there 
for a long time. Hmm. <laughs> like that's what it means to be long is be I'm long. <laughs> I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be who he says I am for a long time. And I'll give this example as we, as we close up here. But, um, I remember when my, my boys were a little younger, I was finding myself getting really irritated with them and I was losing my patience, like much quicker than usual. And like finding like anger coming up. And I've spent years, like God renewing my mind to the fact that like, I actually can walk like Jesus. And so whenever I recognize in my life, a behavior that's not Christ-like, I don't say, oh, that's just normal God, I need more patience. I say, wow, God, you're not this way. And I remember reading in Matthew 11 and Jesus said, Hey, I want you to come to me and learn from me that I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And that phrase lowly in heart leapt out at me, Hmm. lowly in heart. And I remember one time I was, um, so my boys got my, I was doing something, they were jacking around, you know, obviously pushing all my buttons (laughs) like they do. And I heard this whisper from inside of me like from in me. And he says, I'm lowly in heart. Hmm. I'm gentle. And I heard him say, he goes, I'm gentle. Hmm. And so like, I was going to get, I was going to get frustrated and I was going to get irritated. But from within, I hear Christ saying, I'm gentle. Come on. And what he was saying was, I'm willing to be gentle through you right now. If you'll let me versus, versus, Hey God, I need gentleness. I need patience. Like it's something coming from without. It's like more like a, it's in you. It's in me. And and God just saying, will you give me permission to be me through you? And I was like, okay. And I, and here's the thing. I still felt some of those feelings of like frustration, but I said, I said, boys, come here. And I started manifesting this gentleness in agreeing with this reality. These that it's already in you. Yeah. That's so powerful. So just a mindset shift of I'm not trying to attain the fruit of the spirit. No, no, no. And I love that in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of Peter. It's the fruit of the spirit mm-hmm. who is in you. And he manifested it. We just have to give him permission because yeah. God's a gentleman. He's not going to overtake our will, mm-hmm. but as we yield partner will manifest Christ likeness because mm-hmm. it's already in us. Yeah. I think the lie we believe is that Christ isn't in us. Right. And then the other lie we believe is that the old nature is still in us. Mm-hmm. So when a desire of the flesh or something bad happens, we're like, oh man, that's in me. I just, I need to get free from this. It's like, no, that's not in you. That's on the outside trying to come in. Christ is in you needing to get out. Mm. So when, when we get those things wrong, we live not like Jesus, mm. right? Um, I want to finish with this thought. It's an, you mentioned this verse, Romans 1, 16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I always thought that the gospel message was for the unbelievers Mm -hmm. to believe once. Being around you the last couple of days, I realized that you preach that the gospel is actually for believers to look like Jesus. Like believers need the gospel more often than even the non-believer. The gospel is just as important, maybe even more important Mm -hmm. for believers. And it says to everyone who believes, and then verse 17, the next one says, it is the righteousness of God. Uh, In it, the righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. Mm -hmm. Because there's like the faith that we come into faith, but we actually have to go from faith to faith and the righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel. Yes, And it says the righteous will live by faith. The righteous, not the unrighteous, So the gospel is for believers Mm. 
as well as for the lost. hundred percent. And that I think is the power of it because we're okay getting saved and we think, bam, it's over now. Well, if it was over, then why wouldn't Christ just, we graduate to heaven, but it's just the beginning when we get saved. Now we're in a process of manifesting the gospel, looking at Jesus, looking at his side, looking at the cross, looking at him as our high priest, the Messiah, the, the coming one, the, the bridegroom. Mm. And those revelations bring us into, into a oneness and a unity with him. And I mean, everything I just said, I, I drew that all from you. I'm just kind of repeating it, but man, it's so good. That's changing my life. Yeah. Just being around you the last couple of days mm. is changing my life to be like, it's about the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's what transforms us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. You have to have the gospel and that proclamation of who Jesus is to continue in the faith. Right. Come like, on. like, can someone get born again if they don't hear? Can they have faith in Jesus if they don't hear that he died for them on a cross and was buried and rose again? They can't get born again. They have to hear the preaching. So how are we going to continue in the faith without the continual ongoing ministry of the gospel? And when you look at Paul, he didn't have a bunch of sermons. He had the gospel. He had one message for the church and it was sufficient. And, and people were growing up in God. Why? Because he, pro, he preached one message. You can study this out. He, you don't see any other message. Yeah. You see him preaching. He always mentions, I was preaching the gospel. I was ministering the gospel. And we think, well, why is he? Well, those are believers, you know? To believers. Exactly. It's so, the gospel it's so they believers. could continue in the faith and grow in the grace of God and the spirit of God, which produces maturity. Wow. Lord, we just ask that you yes, would make Lord. the revelation of the gospel real to us as believers, that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free, that we can be with Jesus and we can look like Jesus now on the earth. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Peter, so much. An honor to have you with us here again. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. Love you guys. Thank you.